You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Wow, it's been what, like a month or so since the last time we recorded? We're we're really good at this. We're right on top of this stuff. Um but hey everybody, it's I on the prize. Once again, we are back. And with me as usual, I would say often, it's not always often, but usually Bradley Martin. How you doing? Good, sir. Thank you. And yourself? Very much so. Um, yep, that's me, Justin Zarian. I'm doing well. And, oh my gosh, a familiar face. One of the original hosts on this show, one of the guys who launched this podcast, JC DeLeon. JC, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How's everybody doing? Oh, doing great, man. It's been so long. What have you been up to, man? Um, well, I mean, I, I get really wrapped up into uh, basketball season, uh, and I, I used to host my own basketball podcast, and I recently joined a site called uh, Hoop, Hoop Ball, Hoop-Ball. Uh, oh. They focus on uh, like daily fantasy and gambling and things like that, and so, yeah, during basketball season, I'm kind of wrapped up in that, but I still still am on the occasional uh, review on one of us. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for it to be more than occasional. I'm just trying to get all my ducks in a row, but yeah, I was most recently on the Creed 2 review. Yeah, no, which that was really fun. It was great. To, uh, it was interesting because I thought Chris would be on that review, but then it's like, oh no, JC is the one who headlined that with the other guys. So uh. yeah, that was a weird night because uh, I think he had Green Book, and ah. uh, yeah, and it's weird. He he convinced me to see Green Book. It wasn't really on my radar, but uh, and and I, I guess I didn't think about um, how quickly award season has just kind of jumped on us. So I thought I had more time, but I'm like, oh yeah, that probably is going to be nominated. I really should see that. Yeah, no, usually you try to look around award season starting about kind of late September, mid-October, depending on how good the year is kind of thing. So, yeah, and then they just start rolling out the movies. So. Yeah, it, just, it feels like August was a week ago. I, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, but that's awesome. And uh, I, I, I so wish, I almost got a chance to see Green Book because I went to Utah this um, Thanksgiving. Um, and in Salt Lake City, there's a really cool indie theater where they show a bunch of small movies. But unfortunately, the day that it came out was the day right before I had to leave on my, for my flight. So I had to spend that night packing up and doing everything else. So, oh well. That's just, that's just how it is. And that freaking Carbondale here only has like one theater that only shows the big movies. So we're, we're petitioning to get some indie theater releases soon. Hopefully. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So we got that going on. And yeah, no, like I said, uh, last week I went to Utah. I visited my lovely, lovely girlfriend, uh, Lexi, darling, if you listen to this, I love you. <laughs> um Yeah, no, she's a sweetheart. Um, and let's see. So otherwise, uh, I did actually catch up on a couple movies this uh, last week. And probably the biggest one, which, I just, yeah, just a little catching up right here, a little bit of, uh, you know, what we've been watching lately. I saw Buster Scruggs on Netflix this last week. Uh, now, have you either of you two been able to see that movie yet? I haven't had had a chance to. It's definitely on my to-do list. Yeah, it's, okay. in, uh, it's in my uh, Netflix list. The main thing I've been hearing about Buster Scruggs is that if the cinematography isn't acknowledged, then all the awards are a sham. I totally agree with that because uh, the cinematographer, Bruno Delbanel, I argue next to Roger Deakins and a couple other people, is one of the greatest cinematographers working today. Because um, this is the guy who shot Inside Lewin Davis, he shot uh, Amelie, he shot A Very Long Engagement, uh, he shot the best-looking Harry Potter movie, um, The Half-Blood Prince. Oh, wow. And, yeah, this guy's got quite the library underneath him. And, you know, teaming up with the Coen brothers again for this movie, he... It's amazing. One of the best things you can say about this movie is how 
every short film that they do in the in the whole sequence looks and feels different than each other. Like, Bruno Delbanel doesn't use any color palette the same way in each of the short films. And that's actually really, really amazing. And it's all very subtle touches, too. Like, different shades of green, different shades of brown, different shades of blue. And they're very subtle but very striking effects he does throughout this. Now, the rest of the movie, I actually do say is really, really good. And obviously... The mileage you get out of this movie depends on what you're looking for in the film. Because I argue that this is a very literary Western. I mean, even more so than the beginning and the ending and the bookends is all a storybook. You know, just like, oh, we're reading The Battle of Buster Scruggs and other stories, you know? Um, but yeah, I think the acting's all great all around. I mean, it's a Coen Brothers movie. All the actors are good in it. Um, each of the stories, it's really interesting because they're structured like Old West fairy tales and Old West fables. Or each of them have like some kind of moral point to them or some kind of philosophical element to it and it's really really effective and just the same with the look of the film the tone of each short film is very different some are much more straightforward westerns some are like kind of cartoons almost themselves like pretty much the beginning part the actual bow to buster scruggs is like a really dark looney tunes cartoon <laughs> which is kind of funny you're just like oh yeah this guy he's like the greatest gunslinger in all the Wild West, but he's a big dandy guy who wears all white, sings cowboy songs, and even breaks out into a musical number at one point in the middle of the film, and everyone joins in with them. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's... I think it's a really fun movie, and I get it... People react differently, because I know Chris, um, he loved the first short the most, and he hated the uh, meal ticket short the least, or the, the most, because uh, that's the one with Liam Neeson in it, where it's a really, really dark uh, short film. But uh, personally for me, I felt that the, the stories actually got better as they went along. Where I'm like, oh, okay. I don't think there's a weak one in the whole bunch, but it's just one where each one of them had a different thing that made them more impactful the more it went along, in my opinion, at least. So, yeah, I totally recommend if anyone wants to see this movie and has an interest in Coen Brothers or Westerns, this is a really, really great movie. And I, I agree, Brad. This needs to be uh, nominated for cinematography. Uh, I would... Say it's a contender for screenplay. I don't think it would get in, but it, it at least should be worthy of some discussion coming Oscar season. Because I know this and Roma are the two biggest films that Netflix are pushing for the Oscars right now. So I'd say this is actually deserved. You know, like, I think it's actually a film that would merit Netflix's investment into it. Yeah. So then, um, so JC, you mentioned about basketball season. Have there been any other films lately you've seen other than Creed uh, that you really wanted to promote? Um, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen lately. Uh, oh, Widows. I really loved Widows. Oh, uh, you know, I I'm, I'm curious because I've heard so much back and forth on that film. So, like, what were things that you really uh, st uh, attached to on that one? I mean, as as a heist action film, it, it, it gets a lot of those notes right. And kind of reversing the gender roles and, and having the main protagonists be women is a really interesting, uh, is an interesting move. And women who just really knock it out of the park, too. Like, it's... Like, it, let me say what you will about Michelle Rodriguez. Like you'll you'll have never seen her act like like she's ever acted before in this. And Octavia Spencer is uh, amazing as always. And the new wait wait newcomer, Octavia Spencer. Uh, no, it's yeah. Viola Davis. It's Viola Davis. Isn't Viola Davis. It? Or, yeah, Viola Davis. My bad. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I was gonna say like, wait bad. a minute. <laughs> my bad. Um, and then uh, yeah, Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Debicki. Uh, she she's been in a few things, and you may. You may not immediately recognize her face, um, but anything she's been in, she's, it's so many different things. Like, she's really diverse and really, she can do anything pretty much. 
Oh yeah, no, she was great in uh, The Night Manager, she was great in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 for that short role that she had in it. Uh, she's an up-and-coming talent, I think, so. Yeah. I believe she's in The Tale as well, that's been getting some award buzz uh, with um, uh, yeah, which it, HBO. So that's interesting, because The Tale is already, it was nominated for the Emmy uh, this year, so I guess technically can't get Oscar credit, because it's technically a TV-made movie. Oh, that's right. So. Ooh. Though, uh, yeah, I know. Although we will talk about it in the Indie Spirit Awards a little bit later, which is going to be the major topic of discussion in this one. Now, if I could but ask, yeah, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead, go Because I've heard so much, I want to call it hyperbole, but I haven't seen Widows, unfortunately. Is Daniel Kaluuya actually as scary and frightening a force as everybody's been saying in this film? He's He's pretty intimidating. And it's, yeah, it's weird because you've, I mean, I guess most people are really only familiar with him in Get Out and, and Black Panther, and so he's never really had to be the intimidating type villain, but I, I think he pulls it off. Um, he He's not really in a position where his character is does a lot of outwardly villainy things, like, you know, out in the open. He's His side plot is he's basically the right-hand man of... of um, of a local Chicago gangster who's like who's be, who's trying to become legit and run for politics and things like that and so yeah um which is played by Brian Tyree Henry I believe yeah so, yeah and so like you know a lot of the things whenever he wants to like really be a badass villain his you know he's, Brian Tyree Henry's got to be there to be like well we don't do that anymore <laughs> uh, so, yeah but um no he's he's really good he's 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 equally uh, equally fantastic. Awesome. Now, and I know that the, some of the, the things that people have waffled on is a bit, um, some of the tonal stuff about the movie, where it's like, yeah, it's very serious-minded with subtext and the high stuff and everything else, but then there's some pretty outlandish twists. But it sounds like that it didn't really bother you as much in this film? No, and to look at it as just a heist action film, it doesn't really do anything that, that makes it stand out from others. Like, it's, it's not going to be as great as Heat. Um, obviously, but, but, you know, and for the most part, it, it hits all the, the heist, you know, action movie numbers. It just reverses the roles of, of, you know, the antagonists being women. But the fact that they all do a really great and amazing job, I think makes it a really great movie. And if you love heist and action movies, it's definitely your thing. Awesome. No, that sounds great. I, I feel like that's what I should try to make some time for. Like, I mean, especially... During Christmas break, when I get off of school and I'm just at home, I'm definitely going to plow through a bunch of movies that I've uh, yeah. been behind on. But then, uh, Brad... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead just I was going to say, and if they ever create an Oscar for Best Animal Performances, uh, the dog in that movie is the same dog from uh, Game Night. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. The, the, <laughs> the, uh, the Netflix special, uh, or Netflix movie Insatiable. I think it's a series, actually. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a dog named uh, Olivia, and it's a little cute... Uh, I don't know what kind of dog it is, but it's, you know. Yeah, Olivia get, gets oh. a lot of work. The Olivia reconnaissance uh, this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Olivia, that was one of the funnier parts in Game Night. With the yes, it was. Thing with... <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, then, Brad, I guess, other than really terrible movies that you recommend me, uh, <laughs> well, anything else you've seen lately that uh, you wanted to promote? Uh, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. Just, yeah, okay. we... we uh, we saw that a lot of these uh, little spirit awards were given the tail some some feed, so we stomached through that because the uh, and I'm not going to spoil what it's about because that's kind of a part of the journey you take. It's uh, very uh, hard to watch, but beautifully shot and uh, incredibly acted. And oh, that's the um, one with um, Lord Durden's the one. Yeah, and and that's that's just an amazing. 
really spot on selling point anyway. Laura Dern movie, you know, so she always brings it. And I also saw how oh, I think it was called skirmishes, the documentary about that woman from Singapore who tries to find her old film buddy. He's, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a journey too. Um, I'm not sure if I'd recommend it, but if you like documentaries, I absolutely would recommend it. If not, I don't think this one will bring you on to loving documentaries, but no, fair enough. I, I remember we had a screener request for that one, but I mean, and people probably notice I'm not as keen at showing documentaries here, which I probably should change. I should actually try to give some of these a shot, but I'm just yeah. kinda like, eh, you know, <laughs> documentaries, I, I like them, but they're usually not the stuff that really draws people to reviews, but I could be wrong. You know, there's a few, uh, you know, documentaries I'm sure people would love to hear about. So, well, it's, it's a tough genre because for me, I always have to wonder, is this something that is going to be shot and explained in a way that brings about something interesting that I'll think about at the end? Or is this uh, a documentary that's following, like, the school of uh, Michael Moore, where it's like, are you outraged? You should be outraged. If you're not an outraged person about this, then you're a loser. Give me some money. Uh, not not to insult Michael Moore, I do think he does make very entertaining documentaries, but I kind of always feel like, does this actually have a point, or are you just kind of pandering rage to me? Yeah, no, that's the thing I'm, I mean, you know, not, again, not to offend Michael Moore's talents as a filmmaker, but I feel like that's just a general critique I have with documentaries, that I always, I always tell my students this, because I teach courses here at uh, Carbondale University, just like, yeah, documentaries, you have to be aware that someone, no matter how truthful the movie may seem or appear, the the reality presented to you is being controlled by somebody. So you have to, you know, wisely gauge how well they're showing you what they're showing you. You know, it's like, well, what if you turn the camera three inches to the left and you saw something completely different? Does that change the way that you look at what, you, what was just presented to you? You know, that, that missing bit of detail? So, yeah. Who, who knows? Yeah. But um, speaking of documentaries, that's actually a very good segue. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're talking about a couple of the preliminary, um, you know, shows that are going on right now to lead up to the Oscars. Now, what's interesting here is that <laughs> I kind of mentioned to Brad and JC that literally on the night of this recording we're doing this, the Gotham Awards are going to announce their winners. So we may splice in a segment where we talk about that, but otherwise we'll put it into the next week's episode, which we will uh, do because there's a lot of stuff coming up. But anyways, so tonight they um, uh, we're talking about this one here. It's the Producers Guild of America documentary nominations. Now, this is interesting because I'm sure a lot of these will be ones that we will be talking about come Oscar time. And from what I heard, a lot of these documentaries, at least the ones I, you know, the names that really stood out to me, I've been getting a lot of really good buzz. So they had seven nominees here on the list, and the nominees are The Dawn Wall, which, have you guys heard about this one? No, no, uh, I haven't. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, I mean, okay, the, the, the two I'm not as familiar with are The Dawn Wall and Into Okavango, which, yeah, I've never heard of those two. But the other five on here are ones that are people are batting around as like best documentaries of the year. There's a Free Solo, which is I believe Amazon's big um, Oscar contender right now for this. It's a big nature uh, documentary kind of thing. Oh, that sorry. one actually, yeah, I misspoke. I have heard of that one. Yeah. Um, um, oh, sorry. So here we go. It's um, it's about Alex Hanold who strives to be the first person to free solo climb El Captain in Yosemite. So it's the documentary behind that climb, which 
Yeah, I know. I've heard really, really good stuff about it. Like, uh, what have you heard, JC? Well, so the the company I work for in my day job is a company called Flow Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's people who are very active and in, in, into things like that. And um, a lot of the people who work for the track and field portion went out and saw this one because um, a lot of them on the side they do some climbing and things like that too. So they're not they're not movie people by any means. Um, but a lot of them did. They, a lot of the people that work for the company are, which is kind of how I ended up there. Um, and yeah, they said it's. It's one of the most intense things they've ever seen. It's one of the scariest things they've ever seen. Uh, it's just wow. really, it, it, they were blown away by it. And, you know, they may be biased because they're, they're, that's sort of leaning into something that they're already into, but it definitely uh, intrigued me. Oh, yeah, no, the the reviews I've seen for it have been, like, glowingly positive for it. So that's cool. I mean, it sounds like that's going to be a safe bet for documentary nominees this year. Um, also, they nominated the movie Hal, which uh, we covered about this on The Breakfast Pub a few weeks back. This is a documentary about Hal Ashby, the famous film editor and director who was in the 70s, I believe. Uh, that was his main heyday. Because um, he did films like um, Coming Home with John Voight and Jane Fonda. He did Being There with uh, Peter um, Peter Sellers. And he was one of those guys who made like a string of really, really good movies. And then he kind of just vanished. You know, just one of those things where it's like, yeah, he had his heyday, and then before you knew it, he was gone. Uh, and I guess it was just partly because he was a little hard to work with and drugs, you know, usually that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's cool. That's awesome for that. Um, now, there's also RBG, which is a, is a documentary I've seen batted around, but I haven't actually seen what it's about. But I know everyone's saying, the people who see it, say it's really good. So, there we go. Uh, Three Identical Strangers, which I have heard about. Uh, now, have you two heard about this movie? Yes, um, and this is one that I, I would have the opportunity to see because I got the screener for oh, it. Oh, you saw um, it? Okay. Well, I haven't seen it yet. But I have the opportunity to see it. I'm going oh, to. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but, yeah, the the trailer for this is really intriguing because it, it's, it's, you know, one guy just kind of living his life casually and comes across basically his doppelganger and from there discover that there are three of them, that he's one of three triplets. Um and the trailer makes it really makes it seem like something sinister is going on and, and something so some real huge mystery to be unveiled and it turns out there is uh this is one where i i didn't have time to see it and so i was like just spoil it for me because i'm really intrigued by this trailer and, and they spoiled it for me and it's it sounds really fascinating and yeah it's truly sinister and the fact that it happened in real life is some really crazy shit yeah, no, because I believe it was some kind of social experiment that was conducted by a few universities and some other interest groups, which is crazy. You know, it's like, yeah, in the name of studies that you've kind of ruined these guys' lives just to show, like, yeah. oh, what happens if we put them in a wealthy class family, a middle class family, and a, and a low class family, you know? And, and it's an idea as horrific as, and it's something that you wouldn't think would ever happen, but it's an idea as horrific of a woman gives birth to a baby and literally that baby is taken and given to somebody else. Yep. <laughs> like, And they have no idea. Oh, yeah. No, it's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, no, I've heard great, great things about this. And it's so great, in fact, that they're already making a live, uh, a, a fiction movie adaptation of it. So, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they announced that one for sure. Well, as dark uh, and then as the you last... guys made it sound, they'll probably make it into a comedy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I really hope not. <laughs> John C. Reilly and here... Will Ferrell. Oh, we're brothers? Oh, no, they are. Oh, never mind. They already did that. <laughs> Who's the third brother in that case? <laughs> I don't know. Well, now I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the last one here is the you know the one that everyone's talking about. Won't you be my neighbor? The Mister Rogers documentary. And uh, I mean, we already have the new movie coming out uh, with Tom Hanks, you know, for the fiction version of this. But 
uh, everyone says this movie's great. You know, it's on Blu-ray now. You can totally pick it up and watch it. It's, yeah. I mean, how can you not like Mr. Rogers? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder. I wonder oh, if that's going to be. I wonder if that's going to be a coming trend because yeah, you said they might make a fictional like based on a true story about three identical strangers and then basically doing the Mr. Rogers biopic. I wonder if in the next few years they're really great document. And there's going to be an RBG movie. Oh wow! Uh, I wonder if in the next few years, like oh. the really great documentaries, are going to be turned into theatrical movies just to get people to see them. Uh, that's happening more often than you think. Even um, that new Steve Carell movie, Welcome to Morrowind, is based on a really, really good documentary. Apparently, really? So, oh wow! Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the thing. Is just <laughs> Hollywood is really out of ideas. They just have to steal other people's stuff and go like, "That's great. Let's do that." Ah, <laughs> uh, oh well. Let's let's do that and put Tom Hanks in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, like even um, a freaking Man on Wire was adapted into a live action film too. That's yep, sure. Well. I didn't, Which I didn't same think director it, as? It was, it was okay. It's, it, it was pretty it's good. also Robert Zemeckis who did yeah. uh, who's doing that Welcome to Marwin movie. So there you go. That's his thing. He's the guy who's responsible for this, apparently. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are the main nominees. Uh, for anyone who's interested in documentaries, this is really cool. Um, now, there's a few other films that obviously were not acknowledged on here, like uh, Minding the Gap is one I've heard about that's really good. And then what I'm curious about, if I don't, I, I don't know if this one's actually going to get submitted or be eligible, but it's that new Peter Jackson World War One documentary, uh, They Shall Not Grow Old. Have you guys heard about this one? No. Oh, no, I haven't. Now, this is, oh, it's great. Um, we just covered the trailer this week on Breakfast Pub. Basically, it's Peter Jackson and um, some people acquired like 100 hours of actual film footage that they recovered from World War One, Not two, but one. Uh, you know, like really early stuff. And they gave him like super high definition remasters where they, fi- you know, they fixed up the footage. They colorized it in some spots to give it, you know, to touch up the fading areas. And then they would have actors lip sync the audio that was corrupted on some of these film, fi- film reels. Huh. And it's like totally unseen and unused footage from all these old World War One battles that, you know, this is the first time that they'll be exhibited to anybody in the world, really. So we're going to uh, see trench warfare in real time? Possibly, because, I mean, I know there are films that exist of showing actual World War One trench warfare, which is really? both wow. as intense and not as intense as you think it is, where it's like, yeah, it's really brutal and, and crazy, but it's obviously not as Hollywood eyes. It's not as glamorous looking as you see in most films. Right. So. You know, I'd imagine these these kids um, getting shot in this documentary will fall down and not move well, anymore. Well, I mean, not, not just you know, that, but than, just the way that. Yeah. Yeah, just the way that the charges are shown is not as glorious either. Kind of thing, right. You know. Oof, that yeah. sounds horrifying, but I can't wait to see it. Oh yeah, no, it's it sounds cool. I just again, it, it depends on the cutoff. Which, uh, by the way, <laughs> sure. they will announce a short list of what because apparently. Uh, the documentary is being submitted. There's 166 features that have been submitted for consideration. Uh, now, imagine being part of that branch and having to watch all those movies. Like, you can't, right? Right. <laughs> so, on the 17th, they'll announce a short list which will have the top 15 choices made by those people that they then narrowed down to the top five. Okay. So... This ought to be interesting. I mean, it sounds like, based on what the buzz is, there's like maybe eight films that are kind of like all you know positioning themselves to get into that top five spot so just it's a matter of who gets the support you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah no i guess any last thoughts on documentaries before we move on well just uh, um, keep keep your ear to the ground everybody and if something even interests you in the slightest and it's a documentary go ahead and watch it because you know there's a lot of good stories and a lot of good voices out there that should be heard and Oftentimes, uh, they can pander anger and outrage, but 
Sometimes that's well-deserved, and oftentimes they can actually help make the world a better place. Like, this free solo sounds like, even if you've never attempted a pull-up before, someone <laughs> accomplishing that, uh, that kind of triumph of the human spirit, uh, that can inspire anybody. So, yeah, just yay for documentaries. So, so you're saying it's me, basically, the person who I should... No, but uh, JC, any last thoughts, sir? Uh, no, I agree with uh, what Brad said. Uh, if yeah, if there's if there's something you're really into, and there are documentaries about it. it, it there's really no reason why it's not an experience you wouldn't enjoy. Awesome. Um, you know, if there's something you're really not into, like I, if you really don't like something, like why would I sit and watch a Donald Trump documentary? I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but uh, you know, so, yeah, if there's something you're really into, watch it because you'll probably enjoy it. Now, that's unfortunately some of the arguments being made about that new movie Vice coming out. It's like, why would I watch a fiction film about Dick Cheney? Although, from what I've heard, the early reviews have been, like, glowingly positive for that movie. So, that's going to be a big one for its Oscar chances of, can people overcome that why would I watch this mentality if it's actually as good as people say it is? So Yeah, it's yeah. weird. I mean, yeah, to, to, have, to you know, one is to have that, that fictional twist or based on a true story twist, that's... Yeah, there's you. You don't exactly know what you're in for, so give that a shot. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's and that's the hard thing. It's like you know, yeah. Like when you say, "Why would I want to watch something about this?" Sometimes those can be the great experiences, and you know, especially for me. Like, uh, you know, I've often sa- said that one of my favorite movies uh, that I've ever seen is Amadeus, the 1984 film. And I remember when I was like 14 when I saw that movie, I was just like, oh, "Why do I want to watch this movie about Mozart? That sounds really boring." <laughs> and uh, you know, I was wrong. I will admit that I was very wrong. So, <laughs> all right. But then the, the big one this week, the big thing we're covering, unless we talk about Gotham later tonight, <laughs> the Gotham Awards. Sorry, not the Gotham TV show. But anyways, uh, <laughs> this is the Independent Spirit Award nominations. Woo! So, uh, based on what I know of the Independent Spirit Awards, to qualify for this, you have to have made a film that's at least under $20 million, because that's technically considered, like, independent status, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which that's funny then because you think you see more Blumhouse on here. It's like, well, all, they only spend like a million or three yeah, million dollars Blumhouse, per movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> although I think they did win last year because Get Out won um, the bit to oh, the top there prize. You go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there we go. They they are eligible for this. But uh, this year there is no Blumhouse movies available. Not that I see at least. Uh, but it does seem like there's a lot of big high profile nominees on here. So uh, let's see. Uh, JC, why don't you read off the nominees for best feature on here that you see? Uh, let's see, so we've got Eighth Grade, mm-hmm. uh, we've got First Reformed, If Beale Street Could Talk, Leave No Trace, and rounding it out, You Were Never Really Here. Okay, so I'm curious, uh, JC, how many of those movies have you seen uh, so far? Uh, I've seen Eighth Grade, and I've seen You Were Never Really Here. Okay, cool. So, like, uh, for those two at least, like, do you feel that those were deserved nominees for being a Best fe- uh, Feature contender? Yeah, I'd say out of all those, um, certainly the most buzzed about of those five was eighth grade. Like you, since it first screened at South South by Southwest in March, you you heard tons of really great reviews uh, and good uh, good spoken word about it, and uh, it, it ran all the way through the end of its summer run, which was like in in August, I think. So yeah. Yeah, no, I I think people are just surprised as anybody. Just like, wait a minute, Bo Burnham directed and wrote a movie that everybody loved? You know, this, yeah. this dude who started off on YouTube? <laughs> but yeah, uh, I feel so bad because that movie, you're never really here, and First Reformed I have on Blu-ray and I just have not watched yet. So those are next on my binge-a-thon <laughs> for big movies. But um, yeah, and then uh, let's see, Brad, how many of those have you seen? 
Well, let's see. I got First Reformed I've seen and Leave No Trace. Um, yeah, just those two. Okay, and then uh, I guess from those two, like, how do you feel like they were eligible for this? Like, do you feel like they, they deserved it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been awesome. tooting First Reform's horn phrasing since uh, <laughs> <laughs> since the Eye on the Prize started. Uh, well, since yeah. I joined the Eye on the Prize. So, yeah, I'm, well, you know, it's funny seeing these, though. Um, I would say I want First Reform to win, but... Other than you were never really here, which I don't know anything about, other than I think Joaquin Phoenix is in it, I'd say all of yeah, these yeah. So are that's the one well that's... deserved. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that, that's the one with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, where he's like, I guess uh, a hitman or a con- at least a guy who's like kind of like uh, contracted to escort this girl across, uh, kind of thing. Is that's right, JC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I know it's I, the I... it's the director of We Need to Talk About Kevin who made that film. So yeah. I will. I will say if if we're allowed to talk about what we're disappointed is not on this list because I see that Blind Spotting is nominated for other things. Really bummed that it doesn't have a chance at Best Feature. Yeah, that's really weird. It feels like I guess the studio just kind of gave up promoting it because I know people who saw it love that movie. And again, yeah. that's one I I I, I, I almost bought it on Blu-ray this week, but I put it on my Christmas list. So either I'll get it for Christmas or I'll buy it right after Christmas uh, for that film. Oh, I can but, hear uh, Davey yeah. like seething. Wherever he is, I know. I, I can feel it, it through feature. the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but that's a shame. It just it feels like I guess people just you know for a, for a year that has so many really strong like race related films and you know about social issues and that stuff. This movie, which many people consider to be one of the best ones, is just not getting the love it deserves. So yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, no, I've like I said, I've only seen one movie on the best feature list, and that's Leave No Trace. But I can legitimately say I've been that guy, just the way that you are with First Reform, Brad, I'm the guy waving the flag about, like, yeah, Leave No Trace is absolutely one of the best movies I saw all year. And uh, it's funny because I literally just posted about that in another movie we'll talk about uh, on my Facebook feed where I'm just like, guys, if you actually want to reward women who made really good movies, these are the two obvious contenders right here, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But um, now, the, only, the obviously, the one that none of us have seen is uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, and that's only, it's just barely making the circuit off TIFF and a few other festivals, and I believe it comes out, I, I mean, I think it technically is already out on a limited release, but it's, tr- like, slowly expanding into a few more theaters over the next week or two, so. Uh, but yeah, no, everyone, especially uh, uh, Shaq on our big uh, festival podcast we did a few uh, a few months back, he loved this movie, like, like hardcore, especially... Um, everyone's saying that the music in this movie is like seriously one of the best scores written this whole year, and oh, I know because cool. I listened to it on Spotify, which you can hear on Spotify and on iTunes. It's really, really that good. So, hmm. um, but yeah, so I'm I'm gonna be curious to see which one wins best feature. Now, it doesn't guarantee that any of these will make it onto the Oscar list, but hey, last year uh, Get Out won, and that one got both uh, best feature and best director and a best actor nomination. And writing. So, hey, there's always a possibility for some crossover. Now, uh, the next one here, Best Director, uh, Brad, can you read off these nominees? We have Deborah Granick in Leave No Trace, Barry Jenkins, If Bill Street Could Talk, Tamara Jenkins, Private Life, uh, No Relation. Uh, no Relation. Yeah. <laughs> Lynn Ramsey, You Were Never Really Here, and Paul Schrader for First Reformed. Now, something interesting here, uh, I looked up a note that someone made that Paul Schrader's actually never been nominated for an Oscar before now. Even though he wrote, like, Taxi Driver and a bunch of really classic movies, he's never actually gotten an Oscar nomination for his work. So That's crazy. 
I know, right? It's going to be interesting, though, to see if... I mean, I don't think he has a shot at director at all this year. It's just too stiff competition. <sighs> oh, my gosh. What? <laughs> oh, right, because you're, you're, you're the guy. That's right. How could you say I, that? I mean, and I, I'm sure First Reformed is a good movie, although if you ask Chris or Davey, they would vehemently disagree, apparently. No, um, no, and I think that's perfectly fine, but... I mean... Yeah. The Oscars is about giving someone their due, usually, so... No chance I mean, at all? Like, how can you say no chance at all when that's kind of its thing? At the same time, I mean, would you really say that Scent of a Woman is the best Al Pacino movie? Oh, well, no, never. Hoo-ah! <laughs> but, um... Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Well, no, okay, but, okay. I, no, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the problem. It's a mixture of giving people their due and actually giving people who deserve to win. So it's, it's hard to say which way the wind will blow with Paul Schrader. I think, if anything... He'd have more a shot at getting nominated for writing, uh, I think, than directing. Yeah, yeah. So we'll no, see. that's a good point. You make good but uh, the person I'm super happy to see on here, I mean, obviously, they made a big deal that three of the nominees here are women, so that was a huge deal for their nominations. Uh, and, you know, I feel like all of them are deserved, at least for Independent Spirit Awards, but I'm so happy that people are actually watching Private Life. Because yeah. uh, I know Brad, Brad yeah. and I both reviewed this movie. and Because, uh, JC, have you heard about this one? Uh, no. Okay, so this is a Netflix original film, and it's Tamara Jenkins, where she wrote and directed this movie called The Savages back in 2007. Uh, have you ever heard about that one? Uh, I think so. Yeah, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Laura Linney. It was a really, really good uh, small indie film. But this one, it's uh, Paul Giamatti and Catherine Hahn dealing with trying to have a child but being infertile. And it's about them trying to find ways to overcome the medical problems and the social and anxiety stress of trying to have children. Uh, I mean, I, won't, I don't want to say too much to not spoil every detail, but it's one of the most, like, intimate and, you know, thoughtful looks at adulthood, you know, I've ever seen. Like, especially the idea where it's about this couple who theoretically have everything that they want. You know, they're rich, they have good family, they have, you know, they're accomplished writers and literary people. But the one thing that they feel they just want because it'd make them happy to have a kid is the one thing they can't actually obtain. And it's... Hmm. Really, really, like, it's smart, it's it's sad, but it's also, like, really, really funny in a lot of places. I mean, Brad, like, would you agree with most of that stuff I just said? Yeah, and it also touches on a lot of issues that, I don't want to say films usually ignore, but usually present as kind of like a silly joke, you know, on the side. And yeah. um, it's probably one of the most intimate looks at a relationship I've ever seen in a film. Yeah, people tend to overlook uh, comedic actors as when they when they make the turn to dramatic, and so yeah, right away you piqued my interest when you said Catherine Hahn is in this. Yeah, Catherine uh, Hahn's incredible. And so yeah, I'm a big fan of hers, and so yeah, I'm 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 gonna see this. Oh yeah, no, I turned my um, uh, film professor onto this film too because that's the problem where Netflix, like obviously they're putting all their stock in Roma and Buster Scruggs. I feel like this movie deserves a, a lot more attention than they're giving it because it's. It is small. It's a very small movie. But yeah, like when you say Catherine Hahn's really good in it, Paul Giamatti's always awesome in it, it's really well written. This is one that I feel like should get a little bit of attention, at least a little bit more of a blip than it's been giving. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but no, that's good. That's good to see people getting justly rewarded. And again, Deborah Granick, you know, again, leave no trace. I freaking love that movie. I'm going to promote <laughs> that movie till I turn blue in the face, pretty much. But it's just, yeah, I'm so happy people are acknowledging this film. Uh, and then Best Male Lead Actor. Let's see. We've got um, uh, John Cho for Searching. Which I was kind of surprised to see him on this list. But uh, that's awesome. Because I, I think, um, JC, have you seen Searching yet? Oh, yeah. I saw it. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but 
Yeah, that is a little surprising. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's it's well deserved. I th- you know, he's really good in that movie. So, um, and then David Diggs for Blind Spotting, which there you go. I think that's the one nomination Blind Spotting got on this list, which is sad. But um, let's see, Ethan Hawke for First Reformed, possibly might cross over to the big to the big leagues if people give enough support for it. Um, Christian Malhiros for a film that I've never heard of before called Socrates. If anyone knows what this is. Mm-mm. No, okay. I can't find it anywhere on any kind of streaming sites or, well, yeah, not so that I have a huge, those... <laughs> huge array of ways to look, but yeah. Is that, is that why it's red? <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia maybe. link here, all of it's in red, including the guy's name. So I'm just like, I guess it's just this mystery film we'll never see. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then also Joaquin Phoenix for You're Never Really Here, which he won the prize at Cannes for this film, but I, I don't think he'll make it in this year for the Oscars. It's just, it, again, it's... It's too tight a competition, and he doesn't have enough support. Well, are him in the Academy? I've got, I've got to say for that. I'm sorry, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, are him in the Academy on speaking terms right now, or do they still? Well, I mean, they nominated for the Master even after he did. Um, oh, uh, that's right. Theater. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And as you were saying, I, I was going to say, I mean, yeah. I've got to say for you, we're never really here. I it came back, came out like in February or March, and I I was really excited when I saw it. Uh, I don't remember much about it. <laughs> well, I mean, to be Aww. fair, it's such a minimalist film that, you know, from what I know and uh, from what my friends have told me about it, it's just, it's so, it's very art-driven, it's very visual-driven, but it's not, like, weighty, I guess. You yeah. know, it's. I think uh, one of my friends ex- explained it really best, that it's, a, it's an experience. It's a film that you want to see with good audio and good visuals and just kind of immerse yourself in it for those two hours kind of thing. Yeah. So, all right, well, that sounds about fair enough. Uh, now, best female lead here. Uh, JC, can you read the nominees here for this one? Sure. We've got uh, Glenn Close in The Wife. Tony Collette in Hereditary. Woo! Uh, we've got young Elsie Fisher in Eighth Grade. Uh, Regina Hall in Support the Girls. Helena Howard in Madeline's Madeline. And Carrie Mulligan in Wildlife. Now, this is a great list of nominees, I would say. Now, I'm so sad because Support the Girls, we were actually supposed to see on Screener Squad, but the studio never got back to us, so we never got a screener link for it. But, uh, yeah, I've heard that's good. Um, Brad, you said that you had access to watch Madeline's Madeline, correct? I do. I do have access to that. I have not yet seen it as of this moment. Uh, Sorry, everybody. Oh, no Big, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, and I had some medical issues. But I'm excited to actually get to watch it, you know. So yeah, I'm, I know uh, D- Davey said he loved it. So all yeah, right, great. Yeah. Um, now, wildlife. I did get to see with um, Davey and uh, uh, why did I just space on his name right now? <laughs> uh, Frank, sorry. Yeah, hey, Frank. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to forget about you. Um, <laughs> but no, that that movie is great, and I'm so happy to see Caramel get recognized because uh, she's really good at that. And then um, these top three, I think, are the ones who actually... Elsie Fisher, I don't know if she'll actually get in because she's just so young and the movie is so small. But uh, Tony Collette and Glenn Close, I think, actually do have legitimate Oscar potential this year. Like, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think Elsie Fisher will mm-hmm. be the one who... Uh, she might make... She might get invited to all the award shows and she'll, like, really enjoy herself, but she won't really win anything. Yeah. Well, that's a, and there'll, there'll be all the adorable stories about how much fun she's having at all these award shows and... <laughs> But yeah, that'll yeah, be about it's it. like the Jacob Tremblay or the yeah. or the Stranger Things kids. Or, yeah, yeah. The Stranger Things kids. Yeah, they look yeah. so disappointed when they lose, though. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to see sad Elsie Fisher. <laughs> yeah, 
Now, I'm, She's I'm gotta learn. Though. Life comes at you fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm really interested because Tony Collette is one of those weird wild cards this year. Because, I mean, obviously, Hereditary is very much a horror movie, and the Academy. They have such a back-and-forth relationship with horror films that unless it's something like Get Out where everyone seems to universally love it, they're a little hesitant to acknowledge horror movies. So, yeah. I, you know, on the one hand, I can see that. On the other hand, Tony Collette was so freaking good in that movie, she really should get recognized. So yeah. No, and I think she gets overlooked a lot of the time, to be honest with you. So, Oh, yeah, no, because I don't think she's been nominated since The Sixth Sense. Uh, that was her last time she got an Oscar nomination for anything. So, Crazy. Yeah. Now, the weird thing, though, is The Wife, this is a movie that I heard nothing about, like, before, and even very little after it's come out, but literally every prediction site is saying that this is definitely Glenn Close is going to get nominated for this movie. So I'm just like, okay, I guess you guys know something that I don't. <laughs> but, I don't know, I mean, do you know anything about this film, JC? I don't. I mean, I guess if Meryl Streep wasn't in anything this year, it's like, well, who's the second person that always gets nominated for stuff? <laughs> Glenn Close. <laughs> ah, hey, Glenn Close is great. I mean, Aww. she... Uh, it, it's really sad, too, because Glenn Close is one of those great actresses who has just never won anything. Like, literally, I don't think she's... Won, uh, she's been nominated, like, several times, but she's never took the top prize. But, uh, yeah, hey, if she gets nominated for this, that's cool, because it's... Uh, supposedly, from what I know, it's a movie about her and Jonathan Price dealing with, you know, marital problems kind of thing. And it's like, okay, uh, you know, two for really great actors. You got my attention. Uh, I believe Davey was not crazy about this, but a lot of people I met who actually did see this actually did like it. So, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, and plus, Meryl Streep's probably not going to get nominated this year because the only thing she's in is Mary Poppins Returns. And I I doubt that's going to be her Oscar-winning film <laughs> again. So. Well, she, yeah. didn't she get nominated for that aging rock star one? And, no, she uh, didn't, the post. Oh, okay. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah maybe so, she isn't no, always... You know, no, she's not invincible, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. So then, uh, Brad, uh, supporting male nominees. Supporting males, Raul Castillo in We the Animals. Adam Driver in Black Klansman. Richard E. Grant. <laughs> Can you ever forgive me? Uh, Josh Hamilton for Eighth Grade. And John David Washington, Monsters and Men. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that I'm pretty sure Adam Driver and Richard E. De, uh, Richard e. Grant are going to get nominated this year. Like, those seem like very safe bets to me. Because I actually, um, one movie I forgot to mention earlier on, I did actually see Can You Ever Forgive Me. Um, and it's a pretty good movie. Like, I wasn't blown away by it by any means. But Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant were great in this film. Like, really, really good. So, I would say that. Uh, fun fact, too, that We the Animals, for a movie that I have really no knowledge of or any background for, was the most nominated film that came out this year with five nominations. Huh. So, well, there you go. I mean, almost all of them were for, like, aesthetic design, like, cinematography and editing and such. But, uh, yeah, that seems like a solid list here. I and mean, even um, this movie, Monsters and Men, we actually reviewed this for the Screener Squad with Shaq. Uh, and it's a little film... I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised if nobody's ever heard of this because it is such a small film. Mm -hmm. But John David Washington, everyone's talking about him for Black Klansman and how good he is in that film. I actually think he's better in this movie. Like, he, he is legitimately, like... Because uh, the whole gimmick here is that he's a cop who's involved with a shooting where he wasn't the shooter, but one of his friends, which you never actually see the cops who shoot the person in the film, but they're involved in the shooting. And it's a whole ethical argument he has to deal with being a black cop on a police force where even he... Sometimes gets discriminated because at the very beginning of the movie, he gets pulled over by another police officer who doesn't recognize him without his badge. 
And so this is the point where it's like, yeah, even even out of uniform, people still treat me badly because it's like, oh, it's just a black man driving a really nice car. What's that all about? I feel like Monsters and Men fell victim to... um, Because I really wanted to see it. I never got around to it. But the hate you give seemed to get way more of a marketing push than Monsters and Men. Well, and, and the sad thing that it's mostly because that the writer for Hate You Give died, like, literally the day that film came out, so. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I really love the Hate You Give, but it, it turned, like, once people were really excited for it and really thought it was going to be a great and powerful movie, it didn't seem to resonate with people as much as I thought it would. Uh, and if I had to bet, I would bet that Monsters and Men is probably the better movie. Um, um, I just, yeah. <laughs> I would say that uh, Monsters and <laughs> Men is a good movie. Just not oh, okay. a great movie. Like, like John David Watson is one of the best things about the movie. I will say that okay. for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Fair. Yeah. No, but, I mean, The Hate You Give, I think it's got, it's kind of the same thing where it's like, it's a movie that apparently people really like, but only those few people actually watch the movie. Because, you know, the big showy films like Black Klansman are getting all the love. And it's like, okay. But, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of in the camp where people are like, Black, Klans- Black Klansman, I mean, I've only seen so much of it. I'm just like, sure, it's probably an enjoyable movie. I just don't see it being the big Oscar contender that people want it to be, but that's just me. Um, and then we got the best supporting female nominees. Uh, let's see, it's Kaylee Carter from Private Life, which awesome. Uh, she's the uh, the step niece in the film, if you know Brad. So, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yep. So no, no, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Tyne Daly for a Bread Factory, a film that I have no idea what that is. Uh, Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. Thomas and McKenzie for Leave No Trace, and J. Smith Cameron for Nancy. Now, this is going to be interesting because I don't know two of these nominees at all. I've never heard of Nancy or a Bread Factory. Uh, Kaylee Carter, I don't think she's got a chance, really, as much as I love her in that role. I would like I would like her to get no- nominated, but we'll see. Um, but I definitely think Regina King is probably the predicted frontrunner for this category. Uh... Yeah, I don't have much to say that other than I'm super happy Thomas and McKenzie is getting recognized because she's really good in that movie, even though it's a very quiet and restrained performance, but it's a really powerful debut performance for her. I guess any other thoughts on that one? Uh, I'm, I'm realizing that I, I I have a copy of Leave No Trace. I was sent a Blu-ray of it. Oh, uh, I just haven't awesome. gotten around to it, so I, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah check it, it out. It's one of those movies where it's a very quiet movie. Like, you know, it's very, like, low-key, nuanced kind of stuff. But it's super involving if it hooks you, kind of thing. So yeah, it's beautiful, beautifully shot. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, because did you ever see uh, Winter's Bone, the the other film that director did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the same director, and I, I would argue it's a little bit better just because it is more emotionally involving than Winter's Bone is. But I mean, it's that same level of quality in terms of the filmmaking. Yeah, so. it, it's it's gorgeous, and it makes you feel bad. So. It feels bad, but you feel good, too. Do you? So. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a heads up, I actually just got Nancy from my librarian, so... Oh, I'll, did you really? I'll let you know if it's if it's something. I'll <laughs> actually know somebody who's actually seen this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, now, best screenplay. I'm actually super excited about the nominees here, so uh, JC, why don't you read off the ones? You don't have to read the names if you don't want to, but at least the names of the movie, so... Uh, I'll read the names. Okay. Uh, we've got Richard, maybe I shouldn't have, Richard Glatzer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Glatzer. Uh, Rebecca Lankovic, uh, Wash Westmoreland. They wrote Colette. Mm-hmm. We've, oh, wow. Nicole Holofsener. <laughs> Holofsener. Yeah. And Jeff Whitty for Can You Ever Forgive Me? 
Uh, we've got uh, Tamara Jenkins for Private Life. Boots Riley for Sorry to Bother You. And Paul Schrader for First Reformed. <laughs> All these names, man. <laughs> but no, uh, that's a really impressive list of nominees, I would say. Because um, Colette we watched for Screener Squad, and I love that movie. Uh, okay, maybe loved is too strong. It's a really well done movie, but it is very well written. I will say for that. Um, and yeah, this is all really good nominees. Now, uh, have either of you two seen Sorry to Bother You? Yeah, I, I have. I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, how do you feel like, because, I mean, obviously it's going to be very tight competition between all these very diverse movies. Like, there's not a single movie here that's like any of the other ones. But, like, how do you feel like all these movies will compare when it comes to actually, like, potential Oscar nominations or even just in this category here? Mm, I mean, Sorry to Bother You was an interesting one for me because that that movie seems to really only play visually and, and audibly. Like, you've, you've got to hear the, the performances in the, the black people's white voices, and then it's got that really absurd twist in the third act um, <laughs> that... That I'm that amazingly hasn't really been spoiled in a lot of places, so it, it's, yeah, it must be that impactful. Yeah, no, true, I still man. don't know what it is either, so I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting to actually watch it so I can know. <laughs> okay, yeah, so yeah, it getting screenplay nomination is kind of I mean, yeah, like I said, it it plays best audibly and visually, so I'm not sure how it really jumps off the page. Right, I'd actually out of all of these, uh, first reform though, I don't know. Sorry, um, would love to read actually read the sorry to bother you just to see how it's written like does it say and then the uh, key stanfield's character sits down and puts on his headset in white person <laughs> voice he then says like do you think it actually has that kind of stuff written out or it might <laughs> that's interesting yeah interesting yeah. yeah no that's cool it's cool and i it's it's interesting it's a, it's a unique uh just blend of screenplays here now for best first screenplay uh brad you want to bravely try these names no, I'm, I usually have the confidence to mess up names without people realizing <laughs> it. So we got uh, Bo Burnham with Eighth Grade, Christina Cho with Nancy, which I will watch, Christina, and I will appreciate your work. Thank you. <laughs> Corey Finley with Thoroughbreds, Jennifer Fox, uh, The Tale, which I believe Jennifer Fox is writing about her own life here. And yeah, it's own, a semi-autobiographical. Uh, yeah, so, so that's... Something. That's, that's terrifying. Yeah. Laura and Quinn Shepard for Blame. And, oh boy, my librarian actually has this on hold for me as well. So I'll watch that. Now, I don't know if you know, Justin, everything I've looked into on Blame, though, says that it's a 2017 film. Is there a reason why it would be here? So sometimes it depends on when it's officially released to the public. Because okay. um, technically a movie that came out this year, the writer was actually nominated for a bunch of stuff last year because that was when it had its first, like, run of releases. So it just depends on its release window and when it's made available to the voters. So. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's confusing sometimes. Well, uh, I mean... Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, for the tale, I was just going to say, there's a very interesting narrative choice where our, our character, our hero, is remembering people in her life in her memory and it's portrayed as if she's doing an interview with that person in her own head including herself as a young girl so i think at first it's a little strange like what's this about but as the film progresses i think it's just a fantastic choice uh, that she made so i'm, I'm kind of pulling for it out of all of these okay 
Um, so now I'll rush through some of these other ones. Unless, uh, JC, do you have any other thoughts on these uh, nominees here? For first screenplay or screenplay? Yeah, for, for, sorry, first um, screenplay. Really like Thoroughbreds. Uh, that's, yeah, that's kind of surprising that it's, because... Uh, but yeah, uh, other than that, uh, not, not, a lot, not a lot of thoughts. Okay, because uh, Thoroughbreds the one with Anton Yelkin, right? The, one of the last films he did? It is, yeah. Okay, well, that's so sad. I just, I'm so bummed by that. Um, all right, so just kind of rushing through these ones since we've been going a little long on this one. Um, best first feature, we got Ari Aster for Hereditary. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> Paul Dano for Wildlife. Also awesome. Uh, Jennifer Fox for The Tale. Boots Riley for Sorry to Bother You, and Jeremiah Zagar for We the Animals. Again, I know so little about We the Animals, I really need to look this up. But that seems awesome. I mean, both those two, um, Hereditary and Wildlife, were great, great debut films for these directors. So, like, it's it's a really good year for first-time filmmakers, because uh, these two films, Cam, um, Jonathan, and a couple other indie films that we've been watching lately, really, really well done. <laughs> you never guess that these were first-time filmmakers. Uh, documentary feature, Hale County This Morning, This Evening, never heard of it, Minding the Gap of Fathers and Sons, On Her Shoulders, Shirkers, that one that you mentioned, uh, uh, Brad. Yep, yep. And then uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. It, it pretty much sounds like Won't You Be My Neighbor is probably going to win this year, just by popularity alone. Yeah, going to sweep it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, best Cinematography, we got Madeline's Madeline, which, awesome. Uh, wildlife, Cool. Mandy, which I was super shocked to see that one there, but uh, <laughs> JC, have you seen this one? I have. That's, oh man, yeah, that's a little surprising. <laughs> From what I heard, it's a very gorgeous looking movie, so I'm not surprised. But um, is it just red uh, the whole time, or? I was, yeah, I mean, it's there's yeah, it's 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 washed in color. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Suspiria also got nominated for this one, which I'm surprised because it seems Suspiria is super divisive with people. But it's an interesting, you know, interesting nomination. And, oh, I love this guy's name. Sayumbu uh, Mudkipram, who's the cinematographer. I know I'm butchering that. I just had, <laughs> I made you guys read the names. I had to try. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then uh, We the Animals was the last one, too. Uh, best Editing, which is going to be interesting. Uh, you Were Never Really Here. We the Animals. American Animals, which is interesting. I actually saw this one for Screener Squad, too. It's a... Uh, it's a film about a failed art heist where, no, sorry, a, a book heist where apparently these students at a university tried to steal some really antique um, books and uh, photographs from a, a library. And it's just, it's done in this like pseudo documentary style the entire time, mixed with fictional actors involved. It's really, really cool on the whole. Uh, the Tale and then Mid-90s, Jonah Hill's film, which sounds like, I mean, I guess it just, Mid-90s didn't get the buzz that I thought it might kind of thing, where it's like, everyone seemed to like it, not love it, kind of thing like that. You think uh, it's because uh, people who grew up in the mid-90s didn't really like it, and people who were in the adulthood of the mid-90s hated the kids in the mid-90s, so boo <laughs> to the film? Well, and that's the, the the thing, again, I've complained about, where it's like, people retroactively complain how it's like, oh, they say, like, fag, or these kind of words that are really offensive. It's like, yeah, no, they're not nice words. Yeah. But back in the 90s, we said that all the time. No, I know. I, you're I right. I was, I was a teen in the 90s, and I was a little shit, so I'm sure I'd, yeah. probably, I'd probably like mid-90s, but 
I don't know. I'd probably also be like, oh, this is preposterous. No, no, your father never talked like that. <laughs> yeah. Lying, no, just, sometimes we have to accept that sometimes we were not the angels we thought we were. <laughs> right, <you know>? exactly. <laughs> uh, the last one here is the best international film, which I'm going to be curious which one of these make it. Now, obviously, the favorite won't be considered an international film at the Oscars, which, you know, it's our bias towards English language stuff versus foreign films. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm, you know, that one sounds like it's a pretty safe bet because it just came out this weekend and its box office intake for um, weekend um, limited release was awesome. Like, apparently it, like, topped the year's, like, per-screen average. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited people, to see that People love that, that guy's movies. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, love that guy's movies. Yeah, it's so yeah, weird. Yeah, you're Lanthimos, I yeah. don't. <laughs> we we should talk. That yeah, but... movies. <laughs> but yeah. what it sounds like, even as messed up as this movie is from the plot synopsis, people are saying it's its most accessible film. So take that with a grain of salt. I guess. Pe- pe- that's what people are telling me too. And so I'm, I'm this will be the last shot I give him. But yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah, one last shot. Yeah. Um, now the, one of the other films that was nominated here, we actually reviewed for Screener Squad, and I freaking hated Burning. So I'm. Maybe maybe it's just me. I don't get what everyone saw in this movie. It's very pretty. It's also dull as dishwater, but whatever. Um, Happy as Lazaro. I've never heard of this movie. But then the other two films that I'm pretty sure are going to make it is Roma from Mexico, which, uh, JC, have you had a chance to see this one yet? No, don't know much about it. Uh, so this is Netflix's main Oscar competitor. It's uh, Alfonso Cuaron's new film. Oh, okay. Yeah, which apparently this has been his passion project. He shot, wrote, produced, edited, and directed this movie. Uh, so he... he like yeah, it's 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 his baby essentially, and uh, people are responding to it really well critically at least. It's uh, gonna appear on Netflix in I think two weeks. Uh, it's just currently in a theatrical run right now, uh, and then Shoplifters from Japan. Everyone else is saying that's like one of the best films of this year. So oh, there wow. you go. There's, yeah, uh, this that's the entire list of nominees. Uh, you know, on the whole, just looking at all these movies, it was a really good year for independent films. I would say. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent, and I'm excited to actually have. All these type of streaming services and an awesome librarian that uh, <laughs> sends me this stuff. So excited to take a look at the ones I missed and happy this to has talk been about sponsored them. by the local librarian association in Alberta, Canada. <laughs> and uh, well, King County Library System. Sorry, Canada, but King County <laughs> Library System is the best library system in the world. I'm still a member of that library uh, system. Um, system. And uh, if you can join up with it, you should. They offer audiobooks, a streaming service, and uh, just an overall great atmosphere with thousands of titles. And that's okay, the I'm end of my now. promo. I might have to look yeah. into that. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, JC, uh, any last thoughts on this uh, for the Independent Spirit Awards? Um, nothing at this time. I'm interested to see what uh, what comes out of it at, uh, as far as what, what wins. Um, and yeah, you talked about the, the crossover um you know what what that might mean for the academy awards so i'm definitely interested to see that yeah i think that it's not going to be as strong as previous years but i think there will be some movies that kind of creep in and slip into the categories you know yeah. at least uh at least best feature i would say that leave no well if bill street can talk for sure leave no trace maybe and the other ones will probably like slip into other smaller categories if anything yeah it's it's always interesting because like last year as much as i loved get out at, at this time of the year i wouldn't have imagined it getting any oscar love and then sure enough it got nominated for what it got nominated for yeah and then i'm ecstatic that it won screenplay and then i was like it's got a shot for piss picture like i think it's got a decent shot and maybe that was uh me thinking too too highly of it but yeah i think uh the buzz the snowball that could start from this this award show is interesting yeah absolutely so uh 
unless we talk about the Gotham Awards, which I'll insert right here, so uh, you'll hear about that in just a minute if we do. Hey, and it's us recording a little bit later now on the Gotham Awards. Uh, you probably just heard this awkward segue that I did before. Uh, we'll fix it in post, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brad's here with me. Uh, JC will be back on later to discuss his thoughts on the Oscar race. Uh, so, Brad, uh, you were following along with this Gotham Awards stuff this evening like I was. Uh, what are your initial thoughts? Well, these aren't necessarily the awards that we deserve, but they're the awards that we need. I'm sure the people at the Gotham Awards are very happy to hear you say that. <laughs> yes, no, so this is not an award based on Batman, although that would be really cool, too, if it was. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to... <laughs> Best Rogues Gallery. Everyone just moans, oh, here comes another Joker win. <laughs> now, so this is... Uh, this is the um, one of like the earliest Oscar predictor site. I mean, now granted, the the uh, Gotham boards are not always correct in predicting everything that'll be on the end of the year list. Uh, just thinking about the last year's winners, which I'll pull up in just a little bit, but the previous mm -hmm. winners are just like, yeah, you know, some of these translated, some of these didn't work out. Especially uh, <laughs> James Franco, that poor guy, where it's like, oh, he was totally slated for an Oscar nomination, and then sexual assault charges. Yeah. <laughs> Which apparently he's been cleared uh, that, up. So that's I, not I'm a laughing gonna... matter. I, I, that was a nervous laugh. I did not mean to no, laugh. No, I know. No, 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 I know. And apparently, <laughs> like I said, he, he's been cleared of those charges for now. So it's like, I guess it's it's presumed that he, it might be alleged, but we don't know. I can't say for sure. So anyway. Um, but enough of that depressing stuff. We're going to talk about the actual people who were nominated in one this year. So let's see. The first one here is the Breakthrough Actor Award. And... You know, just as we said how much we love this actress, Elsie Fisher, she won for 8th grade. I haven't seen that yet, but I've heard nothing but great things from Elsie Fisher and that it's a courageous performance, uh, mostly because um, they really hammered home that it's not a doctored, makeuped-up teenage girl, but a very vulnerable and uh, present, uh, what am I trying to say here? An actual, like, like she feels like a real girl. Yeah, an actual yeah. real girl. There you go. Yeah. No, and uh, uh, funny enough, too, also, Breakthrough Director was Bo Burnham for 8th uh, uh, grade. So I'm just like... Yeah, yeah, taking it home as a team. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, so it feels like that'll be a nice boost for 8th grade coming into the award circuit. Like, I still don't think it'll get anything more than screenplay, but I'm very sure it's probably going to be what its uh, main prize is, so... Um, and then also the Audience Award, which, you know, they just took all the, uh, a big chunk of the films that were nominated for awards and voted, and Won't You Be My Neighbor won for that as their top prize, but it didn't win for Best Documentary Feature, funny enough. That is a weird one. Are we seeing a new trend in which the documentaries that people love aren't going to be the documentaries that... I mean, get the, I, I get the gold. Like, is this like what happened to the best picture back in the day? What audiences loved suddenly wasn't what the art house says is I, correct. I think the, the documentary team on the Oscars will be a little bit more audience friendly in this one. But uh, OK, mm -hmm. yeah, the one that won here was this one called Hale County this morning, this evening. Uh, and I've never heard of this one, but basically it says here, composed of intimate and unencumbered moments of people in a community. This film is constructed in a form that allows the viewers to. Uh, an emotive impression of the historic South, trumpeting the beauty of life and consequences of the social construction of race while simultaneously a testament of dreaming. Okay. Uh, I, I searched long and far for this one, and I couldn't find any 
I couldn't find it either, you know. So. so basically, it's one that's about race and social construction of identity and stuff like that. So in the, of, did you say in the South? Yeah, in the South. So of course, it's you know okay. that's the one that won. You know, it's they want to go for the important film more than the the, uh, the touching film, I guess. But you know, whatever. Well, um, it, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, that it is what it is. Um, let's see. Also, they announced a TV win for Killing Eve as the best long form TV show. So, or no, sorry, breakthrough series, which. Hey, cool! You know that's uh, that show's really good from what I've heard. So, yeah, it's well. I haven't. I'm sorry, I haven't seen that one either. But I have heard <laughs> it talked about more than the other shows I haven't seen on that list. Yes. Now there was a special jury prize for the actor, uh, the actresses behind the favorite, which is cool because apparently everyone's saying like, yeah, this movie's probably gonna get a lot of nomination love for sure, at least at the Oscars. Um, but the best actress winner, I'm so happy! I am jumping for joy right now. Tony Collette and Hereditary. Woo! Yeah, yeah. And I'm very happy with this as well. Uh, we're, we're all so happy. And the Oscars, uh, the Academy Awards needs to step up, acknowledge that she needs to at least get that nomination because there are still doubts of yeah. her getting nominated, if you can believe it. But no, seriously. I think this is a great first step. They're trying to push a bunch of other, like, you know, serious contenders. And it's like, look, fine. They're all really good. But me personally, I think she's one of the best performers that we had this year, you know? Yes, yeah, 100%. I mean, and I also think that Hereditary is severely over, you know, like overlooked in a lot of stuff. But I get it. You know, it's not a movie for everybody. So, Well, it's a critical darling. It made a bunch of money and it has a lead that um, hasn't been given her due, at least with the hardware. That sounds like a perfect Oscar contender. I don't know what the problem is when a horror movie does this. That the Academy's like, oh, I don't know. Don't yeah. like to be scared. Now, but two things, though, I know you are very happy about. The winners for Best Actor and Best Screenplay first performed for Ethan Hawke and Paul Schrader, respectively. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I see greatness. I recognize greatness, and then it gets <laughs> awarded. Now, I really need to see this movie because I know, like I said, <laughs> you like this movie and uh, Chris and Davey do not like this movie much at all, so I'm just like... Well, do they hate it, or do they do they just not like that everybody uh, likes it? Davey hates it. Chris is one of those ones who's like, <laughs> I, don't get why, I, I don't get why everyone likes it so much, so... Yeah, you know, I'm, I don't know if I could explain that either. I just know that I really liked it, and, you know, I've been a big Ethan Hawke fan since Dead Poet Society, so it's... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with this. Yeah. Now, the big one, though, this is going to be interesting. This is the um, <laughs> the winner of the best film. So we had, up in the nominations, we had The Favorite, First Reformed, If Beale Street Could Talk, and Madeline's Madeline at the other nominees. you think any one of those could have won. But no, the movie that won was The Writer. So this is interesting. That We'll talk about this in the Independent Spirit Award uh, category, because I believe, Brad, you asked this question about, well, you know, movies that get released in certain years or whatnot. Because The Writer... Technically, was released last year and was up for any spirit oh, okay. awards back then, but then yeah, it I came out it. in theaters this year. So, yes. yeah, I, I mean, I've heard how good this movie is, and I just like okay, it just slipped through my radar. I knew, I thought that it was playing in Salt Lake City when I was living there this summer, but I just never got a chance to see it. So, yeah, it was actually uh, well, I noticed it on iTunes and thought oh, I should buy that, and then the uh, independent theater that we go to, me and my my darling to watch uh, the smaller flicks. It was playing there for about two weeks and we just missed it. And I thought, Oh, Oh, well, uh, you know, I hear, I hear it's amazing, but I'm sure nothing will come of it. So 
Yeah. But here we are. Big winner, the writer. Yeah, no, uh, so it's on home release right now. It's mostly on DVD in most stores you go to, but you can order a Blu-ray on Amazon, I believe. But yeah, this great story about, uh, as it says here on IMDb, the uh, cowboy who suffered a near-fatal head injury, and he has to rediscover his identity and what it means to be a man in Heartland America. So... Okay, sounds like a very indie definitely, movie. Uh, yeah, definitely a loaded topic. Yeah, uh, these days as well. So, and it's interesting because it is a um, an Asian woman who directed this, uh, Chloe Zhao. So, you know, she's coming out of this from a different cultural and uh, gender identity in this case. So, it's like, yeah, it's it's interesting to see women who can tackle subjects about manhood. You know, uh, same thing with like uh, Hurt Locker back in the day. So. Oh yeah, that was that was great. Yeah, it was great. It was a movie that managed to discuss the nature of what men feel in their own little societies from the perspective of a woman. So I'm just like, okay, I really want to see what this is like now. Yeah, you know, I watched Hurt Locker the first time and was like, yeah, explosions. Watched it the second time. How would you like, like that? That movie has so few action sequences in it. Oh, but they're so good. That's <laughs> that that intense sniper sequence where they're just waiting to see which one of them will get killed first. That was horrifying. But no, the the second viewing I was more open to and you know, this was this was a ways back when I was uh, you know, kind of just a young adult as they say. But seeing it the second time I was like, dang, there, there's actually a lot of deep deep thought and uh, emotional subtext to these these horrors that these men are witnessing. So that's that's pretty yeah. cool. Now it's interesting to look at the you know like I was comparing before the people who were uh, nominated and won last year at the Gotham Awards. So last year the best feature winner was Call Me by Your Name, uh, which that one translated to an Oscar nomination as well as the other nominee Get Out uh, for Best Picture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for Best Documentary, the winner was Strong Island, which that one actually got nominated as well for Best the uh, Best Documentary. Oh um, good. Let's see, the Audience Award, obviously Get Out, and the Breakthrough Director Award was Get Out, and the Best Screenplay nomination were Get Out. I mean, the winner was Get Out. So those ones all translated. Also for Best Screenplay, uh, Big Sick and Call Me By Your Name and Lady Bird all translated to screenplay nominations. Yeah. So that's a good track record. Um, Best Actor, James Franco won, which obviously got torpedoed for that. But then uh, Willem Dafoe and Daniel Kaluuya, uh, yeah, those two both got nominated for um, Supporting Actor and Lead Actor, respectively. Yep, great performances. Uh, Best Actress, Saoirse Ronan won for Lady Bird, and she got nominated, and so did Margot Robbie. No, just those two. Yeah, so those two got nominated. Uh, And then anybody else? Um, Well, then also Breakthrough Actor, Timothy Chalamet won for that, and he got a nomination, as well as Mary J. Blige for Supporting Actress. So there's at least a decent track record of stuff translating to award, uh, award wins, so... Yeah, yeah, let's see some carry over here. Man, yeah, the writer so, came out of nowhere though. That that I think that'll be exciting if that ends up. Yeah, I don't being, know if that movie big. has a chance, but this is an interesting <laughs> little wrench they threw in. Just like, wait a minute, not these other like big heavy Oscar favorites, but this little tiny cowboy film. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was thinking uh, earlier this week that the mule would like throw a wrench into everything, but the writer, you know, he controls the mule, so who knows. <laughs> no, it's late. It's late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you and I hate you, Brad. <laughs> okay, so that's a quick little 10 minute, 12 minute wrap up there. So, yeah, we will now return you to our regularly scheduled podcast currently in progress.
Now, if we don't talk about it, um, <laughs> we're going to talk to JC here because uh, JC, we've talked to most everyone else on this podcast about what they are hoping for to make it onto the big eights or the other big categories of the Oscars, but we've not heard your thoughts. So uh, just quickly, I guess, just some of the major categories, what are your, some of your films you're really rooting for this year? Um, well, I'm, admittedly, I'm a little bit behind as far as in, in award season and things like that, but um, I mean, it, it seems like, and I, I don't even really know... Like at this time last year, I had a good idea of what was probably going to be nominated, um, you know, what wouldn't be. But yeah, I, I, yeah. Long story short, I think I'm a little bit behind as far as what I think could be nominated. Um, but yeah, I mean, things that I really liked this year. Um, you know, I really like Creed two. Mentioned that, but that's probably not going to be nominated. Um, I don't know, throw some movies at me and they'll see, tell you what I thought of them. All right, so actually, convenient for you as well, I'm updating my uh, current Oscar predictions, uh, which, you know, I, I put up posts every so often on the One of Us fi- uh, page, and I have a list of films that are being considered. So currently the top picks I have for Best Picture, among them are The First Man, which, if you've seen that one? I uh, have not. Okay. Uh, Green Book? Uh, I'm going to see that very soon. Okay, which... It's one of those things where because it won the Toronto Top Prize at the uh, Film Festival this year, it seems like that's a sure bet it's going to get a Best Picture nomination, at least. Uh, let's see. Uh, Roma, uh, A Star is Born. Ah, I did like A Star is Born. Yeah, no, and... that, that one has got, you know, the Lady Gaga love, but it's also been just getting a lot of love because, again, debut filmmakers for Bradley Cooper are suddenly just knocking out of the park this year. Well, the so. Academy loves Gaga and Cooper, right? So put them together, and I... I have not seen it yet, but well, I know the story very well. I've seen other adaptations. It's but more or less I the adaptation with, with uh, it's it's more or less the Chris Christopherson version. Okay, you know, like very similar. So. Well, just with that combination and that force, I'm guessing it's going to be a huge awards darling here as we get into the more televised awards. Yeah, no, that and I really, really like that film a lot. But it's it's definitely got all the Oscar beady things, like you know, big name actor, big name singer. Uh, debut performance, I mean, or d- directing performance for an actor, which Academy loves as well. Mel Gibson and Kevin Costner and that such. Mm-hmm. Uh, familiar story that we're all, you know, that we all know, but done really well. It's it's got all the earmarks of a film made for Oscar love, at least in this way, and it's a box office success too. So, yeah, uh, Widows. I'm not sure. Like, like so, JC, haven't you seen it? Like, do you feel that it has any major shots at Oscar contention? That I'm not sure about because. When when I talked about how it hits like all the main heist action movies, like on it on its surface, there's nothing about it other than the gender roles being reversed. There's nothing really about it that stands out as super unique to me. Like for them to for them to market it as as this came from the guy who gave you brought you twelve years a slave. I'm like, it's not really that movie. It's not exactly what it's what it delivers. Yeah, but it's, it's good. It's an interesting pairing to have him and the writer of Gone Girl work on a project together, you know? It's just yeah. like, they, they seem like they have very different sensibilities in how they make movies, or make stories, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah. Her, her ability to adapt screenplays. Because I read Gone Girl, and when I saw the movie, my first thought was, this is the one of the best adapted books i have ever seen to film and she's the one that did it right she wrote that screenplay and that book so yeah she wrote the book and the screenplay now in this case yeah. this was based on the tv show widows from bbc so she didn't write the original source material but she adapted it for this movie yeah i'm so. actually very excited for widows because i think she's brilliant and steve mcqueen everybody knows he's brilliant so yeah no he's a very talented filmmaker and this is no, those are big names most too. accessible movie compared to anything yeah. else he's done 
Because, I mean, it's not like you're going to say that Shame was a box office bonanza because nobody would go see that film. <laughs> yeah. No, but with, with Shame and 12 Years a Slave, there are just some haunting shots that have stayed with me. Um, I guess the subject matter is pretty haunting, though. So, oh, yeah. Uh, now, I expect um, the same from Widows, though. I bet there's going to be something in there that I'm like, wow, this is going to stay with me forever. So, Oh, yeah. I'm excited now, I'm curious, to see it. Uh, JC, there's the big debate going on about this movie here, and I want to know your thoughts on whether this is true, or like, what you feel about this. Black Panther, what is its Oscar potential? Um, Man, yeah, that's an interesting one, because it's it's very good. And yeah. as far as like all the other superhero movies and things like that, I think it, 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 it tells such a huge story, and it tells it really concisely, and there's not a weak performance in it, and it's... But I guess parts of it, I guess it's just got that stigma of like the big summer tentpole movies. Like, like the Academy would just kind of be like, "Why would we ever nominate a movie like this?" Yeah. But I feel, I feel like at some point we're gonna get a superhero movie that, like, for sure is gonna be that good and without question. And I mean, maybe, and and if that is, if that day does come, I can't imagine like how much better it would be than Black Panther. But I mean, maybe it would be. Yeah, because you know, I, I I'm on that camp where like I really liked Black Panther. But I don't feel it earns a Best Picture credit. But it's this thing where it sounds like, you know, because Disney's pushing for it really hard, and apparently all the major prediction sites are predicting this film making it in, that it sounds like we might be seeing Black Panther up for Best Picture this year. Which, If, if, if it's one of the completely loaded years where there's ten nominees instead of, like, nine, like, sure, why not? Throw it a bone. Sure, yeah. sure, why not? Well, <laughs> also, they have to get Michael B. Jordan into the Oscar stage here. Uh, whether it's a guest or a presenter or someone that's uh, been nominated, because he has been a tour de force this year with his performances. Now, now, and... you know that he won't do anything unless there's a diverse cast behind it or a diverse crew. So. <laughs> well, and, you know um, how white the Oscars are, apparently. So <laughs> <laughs> so white. But, um, uh, I know, I mean, yeah, Killmonger for supporting, you know? Can't we, like, get that starting to hashtag? Because it's not like <laughs> supporting has been... Well, yeah, I guess there have been some pretty big supporting uh, roles. I was going to say, like, you got some big contenders. Yeah, there are big contenders, that. but I wouldn't like, mind. Just off well, the top of my head here, uh, Maharshal Ali for Green Book, uh, yeah. Adam Driver for Black Klansman, uh, Richard E. Grant, uh, Sam Elliott for Star is Born. R- like, Richard E. Grant does sound like a, a lock, and everybody does love Sam Elliott. I love Sam Elliott, you know, since Tombstone. Like, um, I, I won't say, like, I mean, I'd be okay if Michael B. Jordan got nominated. He's just not the one I would say, like, obviously should be nominated. And that wouldn't be one of his um, best roles either, so. But, but I still I say, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, best, it's pretty so. outstanding character. Uh, I just want to see that cast at the Oscars, you know? And I know that's kind of a petty reason to nominate anything, but just <laughs> well, get I'm him, sure get him out there, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say for, for Creed 2, like, when, when Creed came out, I immediately was like, yeah, Stallone, if he if he gets a nomination, I still feel like he should have won. I can't remember who won that year. It was uh, uh, Mark Rylance for uh, The Bridge of Spies, I think. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which was... Yeah, it definitely should have been Stallone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I agree. I actually um, agree with that. Yeah, and, and in this one, uh, and as much as I loved Creed, I wouldn't have nominated Michael B. Jordan. This one, I think if you wanted to give him a nomination, although Best Actor is probably really stacked, but I do think he was his performance is a little better in Creed 2 than, than in Creed 1. Yeah, I've yeah. seen Just Creed 2, and um, I've been in a lot of the situations that Adonis has been in. Not boxing, not the physical stuff, no. <laughs> Just feeling emotionally overwhelmed by something that's happened that involves 
a particular life event that most people go through, and he nailed it. You know, I usually don't tear up, especially in action films, but yeah, Michael B. Jordan nailed it. Maybe that, that's a great idea, JC. Surprise everybody, kind of shelve Killmonger for a bit, and let's push Adonis <laughs> as a best supporting. So, or supporting, it would be a main actor. So yeah, I, I loved it. So oh. yeah, it's it's one of those sad things that it looks like the best actor competition is going to be very white this year. Also, because I mean. <laughs> What the, the biggest names promoted here are Christian Bale for Vice, which everyone says he's like amazing in that film. Apparently, yeah. Well, I'm just so tired of him destroying his body and them. He's not wearing a suit, right? That's actually all. Uh, he has a little makeup, but it's mostly fat. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. That, well, that I don't dude know. Is Maybe. I don't. I don't know how he does that to himself. Like, yeah, he's got it's a, crazy. It really is. But then, like you know, Bradley Cooper, uh, Viggo Mortensen for Green Book, Ethan Hawke possibly for First Reform. Like that seems like that and screenplay might be the film's best chances this year. Well, uh, I think I th- Ethan Hawke is probably the uh, best chance for First Reform to get one of the big four. Yeah, five, which I've, yeah. I've been looking here, like for like at least the major ones that a lot of the prediction sites are predicting. There's not a lot of diversity in this. Like I think the only like because uh, Rami Malek's Egyptian, right? I believe so. Like, ethically speaking. I for think, yeah, uh, I think Queen? He, you mean, yeah, Rami Malek. Yeah, for Queen. Abe Rhapsody. He's getting a lot of buzz for his performance, oh, but Abe I think he'd be, like, the yeah. only, like... Because, I, I mean, again, I, I, I don't know his actual ethnicity, but I want to say he is, like, like kind of, like, Arab-leaning or Egyptian-leaning kind of thing like that. So, I think he'd be the closest thing to a diverse nomination on the main Best Actor contenders this year, which is a shame, to be fair, but... Yeah, and yeah. has anyone really... I mean, the build-up to Bohemian Rhapsody was huge, but after it came out, I felt everyone was like, eh, that "Oh, was, it's dead." That was okay. Yeah, that was fine. It was yeah. The reception was kind of up and down. I heard early screenings of it weren't so positive, and then it came out, and a lot of people were saying, "No, it is really good. You should see it." And then now yeah, it's kind of wavering. Like, I'll, I'll probably see it, but I'm, I'm I don't know, I'm not too excited. Yeah, about I feel it. like that's a film I can just wait for it to come out, like on Netflix or on Blu-ray. You know, well, just I'm, like, oh, I'll rent it from Redbox. Other than uh, Dewey Cox, I'm just not a film of music biography. Biopics. I'm I'm actually with you. Yeah, I feel like biopics too often follow the the same formula of like I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. I'm super famous. I'm kind of an asshole. <laughs> and now I, I can't dead. handle my super fame. Oh wait, I'm getting <laughs> yeah. back to my roots. My fame is now handled. Oh, I'm dead. Yeah. The end. Yeah. I mean, to be fair though, A Star Is Born I think is a good example of how to do it well. So yeah, you know, it, stuff. I think it's usually a better movie if the uh, Beyond the Lights is another really good one. If the actual performer never existed, it's usually a better movie. <laughs> the less we know about the real person, the better the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I guess just yeah, throwing out other nomination stuff. Like I mean, that's mostly a lot of the big movies. Like again, there's the favorite that's a big contender this year. It's going to get a lot of acting and performance nominations. I mean, and like you know, like the top tier nomination stuff. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of these are just very maybes, you know, so I think your guess is going to be as good as mine in some of these categories, so, I mean, at least one, if you don't know already, the films are being up for contention, so, I mean, now here's the thing too, uh, Black Panther, I think its strongest bets for sure, like maybe even winning, is for like aesthetic stuff, like uh, production design and costumes, because the costumes of Black Panther admittedly are, you know, superb all the way through, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I'd be okay with Black, Black Panther getting a bunch of technical awards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it's a shame though, because apparently the big news about that was that Disney made a point saying, "Oh, we're going to market Black Panther for all the categories, but Infinity War we're only marketing for visual effects." So hmm. I'm just like, yeah, okay, sure, but, but, but the Rhino War stuff is what everyone complains about. 
Yeah, that's the thing that really bugs me. Where everyone's like, "Oh, Black Panther should get nominated for visual effects." It's like the visual effects in Black Panther kind of sucked, actually. Well, okay, not sucked. Well, they were just very Wakanda cool. was amazing. Yeah, the, the background stuff was good, but like, yeah, like the 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 CG rhinos, the cars, some of the other details, just like, eh, they could be better, you know, kind of thing like that. Uh, I don't know. So I think that's mostly all I got to talk about for these major stuff. Unless there's anything else you wanted to bring up, JC, for uh, Oscar stuff. Uh, nope, not that I can think of. All right. Well, so I think that will wrap it up for the most of this here. Now, uh, for our next episode, which we'll hopefully do within like a week or two, we like I said, we got a lot of stuff coming out this year. We got uh, in, in just in the next week, we got the Gotham Award winners, which hopefully we'll have covered about this podcast, or else you'll hear it next podcast. Um, the National Board Review will announce their winners on the 27th, so tomorrow, as of this recording. The New York Film Critics Society are going to announce their winners on the 29th. The Los Angeles Film Critics Society and the British Independent nom- um, categories are going to be announced on the 2nd of December. Uh, the Annie Award nominations for animated films will be announced on the 3rd of December. Whew. AFI will announce their winners on the 4th of December. The Golden Globe nominations will come out December 6th. Uh, and then the Critics' Choice Awards on the 10th, and the Screen Actor Guild on the 12th. So, we got a pretty busy couple weeks coming up here for award stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm um, I'm still going to be on paternity leave, so I should be available. <laughs> Which, uh, congrats again, by the way. How's that going? Uh, very well. Um, the child is still alive, and... Uh... <laughs> I would hope so. No, you, know? <laughs> you guys, you guys would laugh if you had like a lot of kids. Um, not that I know if you do or don't. Hopefully, you know if you do or don't. But um, I know you do. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going great. Wow. So uh, yeah, just um, just just a little sleepy all the time is all. Yeah, I don't blame you. So yeah, I think we can call it a wrap then. Uh, JC, since you haven't been on here for a while, why don't you help promote some of your stuff? Like, where, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at jcdillion1. Uh, you can also find me there on Instagram. Uh, I'm pretty sure my Facebook page is also that, too, jcdillion1. Um, yeah, if you're into basketball, I tweet about basketball a lot, and I'll be soon I'll be on shows on that website, hoop-ball.com. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, you can see me on uh, – you can hear me on oneofus.net. At one point, I will make one of these gatherings. Uh, I feel really bad that I haven't been on one yet, but I'm I'm really looking forward to making one because they sound they sound like a blast. Oh yeah, no, they're they're. Uh, I, I haven't been to one myself, so I don't know. But just the ones I've listened to have been a blast. So I I would love to hear your thoughts on that stuff. So yeah, I think I think the next gathering. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure Chris wouldn't mind me kind of like pre-promoting a gathering, but I think we're going to talk about like the best and worst of Christmas. And around Christmas, I'm super into Christmas horror. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't really. I don't, I don't really do regular Christmas movies except for like Scrooge, and even then, Scrooge I kind of consider an off-brand Christmas horror. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I really love Christmas horror, and so yeah, I'll be talking a lot about that. Maybe maybe me and uh, um, Paige will. Oh yeah, and I know Patience definitely loves Christmas horror too. So I, I think well, the uh, the Ghost of Christmas Future and Scrooge it still gives me the heebie-jeebies when I saw it when I was a little kid and. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> no, but then, uh, Brad, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on Twitter as well, Bradley of Martin. Uh, no E in Bradley. And that's that's about it. <laughs> and on the there Screener Squad, watching the worst movies ever made. So Yeah, talking about Christmas horror, how do you, <laughs> how would you recommend Krampus Origins, Brad? Well, I, I would recommend that by telling you to go see Krampus instead with Tony Collette and Adam Scott. Great film. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find me here on oneofus.net. Uh, I write the notes for The Breakfast Pub, our weekly news podcast, and I occasionally host it, too. It's really fun. Uh, I do this show, I on the Prize. I do the Screener Squads. I'm kind of the ringleader of that whole podcast. And uh, it's been... I'm glad that other people are starting to take up the, um, the burden, because some weeks I do feel overloaded. I think... Two weeks ago, we put out six reviews, four of which I was on, and I was just like, oh. yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was insane. Uh, but yeah, so we got that going on. And then um, just a little promo here, you'll, you know, for the few people who do follow the show, which you guys are awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, you will be hearing more of me as well for another In the Works podcast that I'm developing, which Brad at least knows for sure. And JC, it depends on if you're on The Gathering or not, which you're welcome to come on for this podcast too, but we're thinking of some end-of-the-year podcasts. Uh, you know, one will be with the people from the main Austin community, and then our podcast will be with people like uh, Brad, myself, and Shaq, who aren't in Austin uh, covering stuff. So that would be kind of cool. Cool, yeah. Whatever, yeah. whatever. My, my schedule is always kind of kind of weird, so I'm not always available for stuff, but if I can make it, I'll make it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So you'll hear more of that stuff in the future, people. But thank you very much, and... Hey, it's going to be a great Oscar season, so I can't wait to talk about it. See you next time.